and welcome to Comic Book Decalogue. This is the podcast on which we ask a different cartoonist the same ten questions with each installment. My name is Greg. I'm recording from a Comics Journal Satellite Lab in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our guest this episode is Anna Bongiovanni. Anna's a cartoonist, educator, zine maker, and one of the hosts of the Fist You podcast. You may know Anna's work through their Comics for the Queer Lifestyle website, autostraddle.com, a part of that site's Saturday morning cartoons feature, or through their graphic novel, Out of Hollow Water, a 2D cloud release, which is an extremely moving and imaginative exploration of trauma and recovery, and is also on Patreon at backslash Giovanni. If you enjoy this interview and you'd like to subscribe on iTunes, you can find every comic book decalogue in the iTunes feed of our sister podcast, TCJ Talkies. We've got some great episodes coming up, including interviews with Anders Nilsson and Mari Naomi. And I'll tell you what else. If you enjoy this interview and you only wish there had been less of me in it, you can hear another conversation with Anna on the May 6th, 2016 episode of Broadside, a queer feminist podcast that is also based in Minneapolis. Now, 10 questions with Anna Bon Giovanni. Now, you mentioned before we started recording that you're going to Alaska mm-hmm. for... Yeah. What uh, things you're teaching, and also uh, yeah. Uh huh. I'm getting thrown, uh, flown up there by a gallery, and so I'm gonna have like an artist show, an artist talk, and then while I'm there, I'm going to two different libraries to do a honesty and comics workshop, and then like a zine workshop with teens, mm-hmm. and hopefully I'll be able to do um, like a few more things with uh, high schoolers or teens involving zines or comics because that's fun. So. And then I'm going to go visit my family and then more family mm-hmm. while I'm there in Alaska. So it'll be like a two-week trip. Do you know what to expect when having your work exhibited in that way? How much control will you have over that? <laughs> I have no idea. I've been a part of, like, gallery shows, but I've never... It's never been just, like... It's only been, like, me once mm-hmm. where I had, like, a lot of control over it. Um, and I was friends with the people who owned the space. So I was like, I want to hang up things this way and this time I'm like I'm just gonna bring some prints and my comics and figure it out but I, and I've never done like a like a gallery talk like an mm-hmm. artist talk so I'm not quite sure what to expect for that or even like how to prepare for it I'm nervous and how much experience have you had in the last few years about teaching comics or teaching things related to comics oh um a lot I taught high school last year and I was able to basically um, teach whatever subject I got really I lucked out. I was able to teach whatever subjects I wanted. So I uh, I did like um, a whole segment on zines and um, a segment on comics. I worked with Gazillion Strong's mm-hmm. uh, Gazillion Strong here in the cities and hosted help hosted like events, but also like comic workshops with teens. And I'm hoping to do it again in the summer. It's real fun. Our first question proper is uh, question number one. Okay. What's the last comic you finished reading? Oh, okay. Um, so I just finished reading this for my queer book club, mm-hmm. um, Bread and Wine by Samuel Delaney and okay. illustrated by Mia Wolf, I think is her name. 
I don't know if it's like a, a well-known comic. I can't remember when it was published. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who's heard of it. I, it's a Fantagraphics book. Right? Oh, is it? Okay. I, I mean, unless I'm thinking of something else entirely. It's about two older gay men. Yep. yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Okay, so I'm just the one that's like out of the loop and was like, what is this? Well, I haven't actually this? read it, I, can, I confess. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was like really beautiful because it's about Delaney falling in love with like a homeless man mm-hmm. and like a little bit about like hookup culture that was going on during this time period. And what like, time period is that? I'm thinking the 70s, 80s and just like, I, I kind of wish there was like a little bit more. I think there's more in the writing than what was actually like in the comic. Like mm-hmm. I think Delaney's written about it, so I'm going to have to like look up some other stuff, but the comic on its own is really great. It's like a really cool love story. Is it a straight up memoir or is it a novelization of Um, it's basically just like a memoir. Um of like Delaney meeting this guy, how they started hanging out, the first time they like hooked up, they had sex, um, when suddenly like and when feelings were involved mm-hmm. and the the man Dennis like getting off the streets and moving in with Delaney and, like, what that was like. Um, so it's pretty much, like, a strict account of that, that moment, that relationship. How political is the story in that sense? Like, the how privilege factors into... You know, I felt like um, in the actual story itself, it was kind of, like, glazed over. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't... I, that's what I think what I wanted more of was like how was how does class affect relationships and how does class affect love because I think it's something that people don't really ever like consider like I don't think I would ever like consider I don't know what consider but like date someone who was homeless you know like maybe if I got to know them but like I don't even like that doesn't I think that's like a barrier that people don't even realize that they have um, and so I wish the comic had like explored with words more that aspect mm-hmm. um, and like if, if Delaney had any feelings about it I wish it was like talked about but it wasn't um, it was kind of like and then we did this and then we're doing this and um, the kind of like emotional and social aspects were kind of left out mm-hmm. yeah question number two what cartoonist doesn't get enough praise oh that's a good question too I feel like so many I I think there's a, a cartoonist named Jessica, and I don't know her last name. She draws Manic Pixie Nightmare Girls, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a webcomic, um, but she also has a Patreon, and um, her comics are just, like, fantastic. The colors are great. The um, characters' faces are super, like, just, like, super awesome and, like, bubbly and funny and em- emotional, um, and she draws... Um, She's a trans woman, and she draws, like, w- what it's like in the queer scene being a trans woman. And she touches on, I think, a lot of subjects that, like, other trans people face. And But she does it with, like, humor. Um, and sometimes it's, like, really sad, but but, but it's really honest, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like because it's mostly, I think, right now just, like, on Tumblr, um, it doesn't get the recognition that it deserves because it is like a super well-drawn comic and it's written really well but people kind of like glaze over it I think I don't know do you know if it's been collected in any fashion oh no not yet Mm -mm. I hope so I hope it's gonna come out as like 
a book someday because mm-hmm. then I think people will actually like notice it. Yeah. And question number three: What's the most widely loved comic you can't connect with? That is so hard. That's a tough one. Um, oh, okay. Um, this one's like really loved, and I just like can't get into it. Um, Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? No. Okay. I thought the the National Book Award success of Nimona was really cool. Uh, yes. But yeah, I like yes that one. I like I like Nimona, but I I don't know like the Lumberjane comic series by Boom um, has gotten a lot of recognition and like the art's cool and I think probably the writing is cool too. I just like kind of like glaze over anytime I read it and I can't I just can't get into the story mm-hmm. and I don't know why. But I, and I feel kind of like a traitor for saying that because it's been it's so well loved. But I like I like you know YA comics, so I don't know what aspect is just like it's keeping me separated from it. But there's something there. But I'm the I'm the only person I know. I think <laughs> I feel that way. Everyone else is just like in love with it. Well, I mean, I feel like that, if nothing else, that's how you know you, your tastes are your own. Right. That's um, <laughs> true. You haven't convinced yourself you like something for, for political reasons. Yeah, yeah. I want to. <laughs> I just want I want to so bad. Yikes. <laughs> All right. This is uh, another YA-related uh, question. Mm. Question number four is, you can send one comic back in time to yourself at 14. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's something that... You know, could have been published yesterday. Mm-hmm. What is that comic and why? Oh wow! Okay, um, back to when I was fourteen. I don't know what it would be. I'm probably. Well, I'm really not prepared for that one. I think maybe, maybe Monster by Ken Dahl, because it's the art. It's so perfect at expressing these like feelings of like guilt and shame um, and embarrassment, and the char- the main character isn't a perfect human being at all, um, and it talks about sex in a really frank way that I think I probably would have appreciated when I was fourteen because I felt like I was really like closeted and I felt like I was um, really uh, embarrassed by sex in general. Um, but also had these like really high morals that don't exist with human beings, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like <laughs> that are like reflected in like the church I was in, sure. you know, um, but not by reality. And I think reading that comic, I would have been like, all oh, right, you could still be a good person, but be complicated or, uh, maybe there is no such thing as a good person. <laughs> I don't know. Have you read it? No. Okay. Um, because it's about this main character who thinks he has um, an STI and then, like, struggles with, like, coming out and telling people and sometimes not telling anyone about it. And then just, like, feeling... There's a lot of body horror in that comic, too, so about this main character feeling unwanted and disgusting and, like, diseased. And it's drawn perfectly. Um, and I think any any young teen would probably connect with feeling with that feeling of um, not being comfortable in their own body 
as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's stay yeah. with that time in your mm-hmm. life for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah. What was your relationship to art, if you can generalize? You know, when you were you were closeted, had mm-hmm. these values. Yeah. Were you still engaging with comics or? Yeah, I was. Okay. Um, let's see. Fourteen. Uh, basically, like when I was in high school, I um, read was reading Archie comics, and that was like the only comic that I was into. But I was like really into Archie comics, and I still have like a giant collection that my parents are like, "This will be worth something someday." I'm like, "Oh no!" They are like, "These comics are just decreasing in value." <laughs> um, but uh, I started reading like manga and getting into anime. Um, so that was what I was super into. And then I started drawing comics in that style about, like, me and my friends. So I was still engaging in art. And reading manga was interesting because at that point I could find a lot of it for free online. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not appropriate for, like, my age group, maybe. Or, like, not appropriate for, like, what my values were at the time. Um, and it's just... It didn't, like, make me, like, openly question, but suddenly I was, like, drawing, like, fictional comics about, like, two girls in love, but she's got to choose the boy, and, like, stuff like that, and my, like, church friends were be like, why is, why is she gay? And I'm like, she's not gay! Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, question number five is, what's a change you'd like to see across the comics industry? That is also a hard hard question this one I, I take on and off the chopping block yeah it presumes a kind of comics monoculture in a way that is like not reflective of reality but yeah um I like to think it's a jumping off point yes yeah um I think that um representation is something that could probably always oh, could always be improved upon but I feel like there's probably people who can talk better about that than maybe me um con convention scene um, is difficult I think to work in as like a professional because you basic like as like a small press or um, indie comic person you want to go to these like conventions and then you know and that's where like networking happens that's where people like see your work Um, and it's just like I think kind of it's good because it's a hell of a lot of fun and like is awesome when it works out successfully, but um, it's also really expensive and you're spending a lot of money. Um, and I think that inhibits people from like participating or being able to go. Um, I don't know what better model there could be, but I think that's it's something, and like some people feel like really uncomfortable at conventions as well. And not all conventions are equal. So like there's good ones and then there's like, crappy ones too you know um and i just like i don't know i guess it's sustainable because it's been going on forever but i don't know or at least there's no better institution yeah i was surprised after the first autoptic here Mm -hmm. in minneapolis in 2013 Mm -hmm. just hearing anecdotally you know how well you know various small publishers did or didn't do Mm -hmm. and just like realizing really for the first time how uh, if you're in, you know, the indie comic sphere, you you can't really take for granted that you're going to make a profit. Yeah. Anything like that, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And like I was saying, like it's super, like conventions are super great and so fun, 
But um, if you're going to a convention, especially as like probably as a publisher or a small press publisher, but even as like a, a, a solo artist and like losing money, that can because you you probably will lose money on food, on hotels, on travel. Then that can be a big damper to like your entire experience. You know, there's like pros and cons, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question about representation and, and I guess the scene. You know, you publish comics on Autostrad. Mm-hmm. You've also published a book through 2D Cloud. Mm-hmm. What would you say people know you best for? Probably my Autostraddle comic. Although people know me from both or have gotten, which it, one of the coolest things that gotten to see my work from like one of the two, and they're very different. Um, my online work and my graphic novel. Um, but the cool thing is that a lot of the, my fans or like a lot of people who appreciate my work like both aspects mm-hmm. and that's, that's awesome. Cause that means I don't ever have to limit myself. You know, I don't want to, but probably the auto straddle comics because they are reaching a lot of people and it's free on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to find it's free. So <laughs> Yeah. Question number six. What's the closest you've come to quitting cartooning? Oh, my gosh. It's hard because I don't know if I've ever come close to, like, quitting comics and being like, I'm, I don't want to be, like, a cartoonist anymore. But I've definitely come close to just, like, not producing work for, like, months at a time. Um, and in that, in the sense, it's not necessarily, like, quitting it's just not participating. It's not working. Um, in those cases, was it fatigue with the work itself, or was it life getting in the way it's, of the work? I think um, both. Life. I think when I get re- like really stressed out, it's hard for me to work on anything. So it's just been like moments of like my day job being the worst, and like not feeling like I have time. Although I probably do have time, but feeling like I don't have time to work on comics and then just getting pushed back to the back burner, not answering emails or uh, not drawing new work, essentially. And question number seven, what's the best advice you've heard about making comics? Um, I just got this advice from Tony Breed um, on Twitter because I was, like, worried... um, what I want to do is like push these autostraddle comics into a book Mm -hmm. Um, but they're all scanned at like 300 DPI and I was like I can't print that they have to be 1200 DPI Photoshop whatever Um, and I I was asking other like web cartoonists if they have their work at a higher resolution or not and um, Tony was one of the people that answered and was like no, you can do it at 300. You're fine. Like, stop panicking. And I was like, okay. Um, and then he he said, um, perfection is the enemy of done, which I think is like so perfect. It's so and so true for I think um, how I want to work is like I, I want I'd rather get stuff done than have it be like the most perfect integral drawing. I'd rather have something out there because most of the time you spend like. You don't spend that long reading a comic. I don't know. Art and... and Everything's important, but, like, uh, I'd rather just have a great story down on paper. Yeah. I imagine it's brutal that way. Just the 
gap between the amount of time it takes to complete a work and how quickly you're reading it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's like something that I was that Barb Schultz talked about like while I was at MCAD was like you're gonna spend hours on this page and then the readers are gonna spend probably seconds, you know. Um Unless, except for like maybe really intense readers who are like really examining panels and stuff. But most of the time, um, the reader's brain just does that juxtaposition. It'd be like, yeah, okay, that line is a door. It's fine. <laughs> like, I'm not going to dwell on it. And I'm yeah. sure in some cases, uh, a quick read through a page is a sign that the cartoonist did the work right. You know, oh, yeah. Like in the last year, I've gotten really into like Ernie Bushmiller's old Nancy strips. Mm-hmm. Those are so clean and so. Mm-hmm. Like, like beautifully mechanical. Yeah. They take you through them. Yeah. And that's something nice about, like, Sunday morning comics or, like, serialized comics like that um, is that, like, the format is so simple. Like, the if you look at the backgrounds, they're, like, they're there, but it is just, like, a small series of lines and not intricate. Uh, I don't know. You mentioned MCAD. You are the second MCAD alum on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Caitlin <laughs> Scalru was the first. Oh, cool. Okay. How do you look back on your formal education? Um, Someone who's a few years removed from it. Yeah, it was good. It was good for me. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be good for everyone. Um, and I don't think it's, necess- it's necessary for a lot of artists either. Um, I think if you have, like, the time and the means to go to, like, this kind of prestigious art school for a degree in comic art, great, you know, if that's what you want to do, if you flourish or you like being in, like, higher institute, like, educational institutions, um, then that's great. Uh, otherwise, it is, like, a lot of debt that who knows what I'm going to pay off. And I know that it hasn't worked for everyone. It hasn't been everyone's, like, other cartoonists I know who've dropped out, who are successful regardless of their, like, MCAG Mm-hmm. education um that it's not always it's just not for everyone i enjoyed it i liked it you know i don't really regret it mm-hmm. so and when you're teaching comics what are the lessons uh you consider most important to impart upon your students okay um well mostly teaching teens so i think the biggest thing that I try and focus on is that um, your voice and your story and your characters, whatever you're creating is important, is vital um, and you have the ability to put it down on paper and share it with the world and like, people want to see it mm-hmm. um, so I think that's like, the biggest mission for me is being like you can photocopy your own zines mm-hmm. and you can distribute these and um, just like having being able to like teach someone that like here's this precious booklet that you made with your own two hands and that has full of your words and now you're passing it out like it's just like it's so cool i don't know it's really fun teens are so smart like it's just like it's just really great (laughs) and question number eight what's the worst decision you've made as a cartoonist Oh my god! I make this okay. <laughs> I make this decision like over and over again. I have yet to like oh. learn from my mistakes. Is that I always I agree to things that I am never gonna do. Like I will be like, yeah, I could be a part of that anthology, and then being like, what am I? No, I'm not. Like I don't want to do this, or it's uh, too much time with not enough money, or um, 
I have just no interest in being a part of this anthology, so why did I say yes? Stuff like that, or um, being like, yeah, I can match that deadline, knowing full well that that's, like, unlikely. Or uh, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Stuff like that. So definitely um, agreeing to things too quickly without really thinking it through. Yeah, I need to probably like wait a day to make uh-huh. these decisions. But instead, I'm like on my computer, like okay, like <laughs> not even gonna think about it. <laughs> yep. And question number nine: What work from another medium has influenced you the most? Oh, fun. Okay, what work from another medium? It's been a lot. Um, that was one of the, probably the good things about MCAT is that it really did introduce me to a lot of different mediums, allowing me to like explore and learn them and like practice them. Um, so that was really cool. I think my printmaking class that I took at MCAT was one of the most influential classes on my comics, um, which I don't know if you can like see anymore, but it felt really influential and changing at the time. But I think while I was at MCAT, I learned about, uh, Kiki Smith, I really like her artwork. She does um, some sculpture. She does printmaking. She does, like, um, she had some pieces up in the locker recently. That was, like, a room you could go into. Um, I think her work has a, talks a lot about, like, feminism, but also with, like, a, a kind of, like, a creepy, like, fairy tale aspect. Like, things are always kind of connected. Um that way like uh womanhood or or um girlhood and like this like creepy underbelly it's always kind of there in her pieces and her sculptures um and i i really like them yeah and our last question question number 10 you've been assigned to write and illustrate garfield oh god (laughs) but you can alter one aspect of the strip oh my god what do you change Everyone's gay. I think I would just do that. And then you'd have a lot more... I don't know. Then maybe it would be good. Sorry, Garfield. <laughs> tension between Garfield and Odio finally erupted. Oh, my God. Finally. Finally. Yeah. John Arbuckle. Is that the main character? Yeah. yeah. Well, finally makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> Such a... I don't know. That's what... I, what's the best answer that you've gotten so far? I'm so curious. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm hesitant to say because I, I have one in the backlog. Right oh, now okay. That, like, I don't, don't know what spoil order it. Come in. Don't spoil it. Um, what would you change? But, oh, I don't know. <laughs> You've asked it so many times. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've just been. I'm, I've been running away from the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why you're asking the other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, let's end on that. 